This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Chasing Tales Outdoors, the podcast that brings you laughter, excitement, enthusiasm through all things the outdoors. I am joined by my world-renowned co-host just across the state, Chase, dude, you have gotten yourself on a turkey. Yes, I have. It it took a lot of hunts and going out there. Uh, I've been close so many times this season. Uh, I, I can't even count the amount of uh, encounters that I've had where something either went wrong or they were just not on the property or they were on the property line, but not on the side where it was legal for me to take them. So uh, it's it's also been a little struggle this year. Uh, hadn't found as many birds as I normally would find. So it's just been one of those seasons where I can kind of look back and say I had to grind it out for this one as opposed yeah. to it just <laughs> happening within the first couple of days of the season. Um, in Florida, we get two birds. So sometimes it's not super hard to tag out early. Um, I've had it where I've tagged out, like I said, the first two days of the season. Or if you took a double on the first day, you can – pretty much tag out right right then and there (laughs) so it's not difficult but then some seasons uh it becomes a grind and you really have to work for it so I was just happy to to get that one Uh, I did pass I don't I don't even know if I told you I did pass on a bird uh kind of like midway through the season yeah he had like a five five or six inch beard and I was like nah I'm not gonna take him I'm gonna hold out (laughs) and then I'm like oh man why did I do that what 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 it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a hunt that kind of got it was almost one of those deals where i caught him like passing by uh it wasn't like he came in goblin or anything crazy and it was kind of a a a further shot so i was like well i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pass on this one i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take this shot and then like ever since then i just been like man why didn't i shoot that bird (laughs) why didn't i shoot that bird (laughs) but yeah the the one i did take it was uh uh, it was an exciting hunt for sure um we'll have to uh, tell it on another podcast Uh, i'm gonna call him the yo-yo bird 
Um, but, uh, and there was some other dynamics that went on a- along with that hunt. So it-, it-, it was a good time. That's awesome, man. They, you know, for everybody who hasn't, uh, tuned in, uh, since deer season, this, this turkey season was almost the exact opposite of Chase's <laughs> deer season this past fall, where, uh, everything just continuously fell into place for you starting on day one of the season. It seemed like, right. uh, you know, you've had to grind it out, man. So. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you got one. I mean, you still got this afternoon, right? Yeah, yeah. I still have this afternoon uh, to go out. So I'm probably going to go out this afternoon. I'm still going to give it my all. I'm still going to even go out uh, this this evening. Uh, there is a place where uh, I've seen birds go back to roost a bunch of times. Uh, just uh, just scouting, just out there watching them, getting out there a little bit late, just trying to see if I can uh, hear them gobble on the roost. But I've also seen them go into this one little area quite a few times. They don't do it all the time. So I may just have to get up in there uh, this evening and set up and uh, hope they come by my way. Uh, my father-in-law went out for me last night and kind of scouted the area, and he saw a bird strutting uh, in that area last night. So I'm going to give it a try this evening, see what happens. It ain't over till it's over. That's right. <laughs> so it don't matter if you take them the first five what? minutes of the hunt or the last five minutes of the season. <laughs> So <laughs> I would rather take them in the first five minutes. Not now. It's actually been a good season because the last two seasons I've gone out and I've been done uh, at least within the first week of the actual season, and I haven't been able to go and I had it wasn't going out as much as I as I normally would. So it's just been good getting out in the woods and getting after them. Um, there was quite a few days though. There was like really nothing going on. Um, the one of my first spots it was. I mean, it was a hot spot that first weekend uh, when I went out and almost got on those two birds that first morning. And then after that, it just slowly kind of dwindled down. I think a lot to do with that is this is a, a hunting club that I'm in, and there's there's been a bunch of activity in there this year during the season. There's people doing pine straw. There's people uh, bush hogging and everything else all over the place in there. So I, I think that's kind of pushed them away a little bit as well but it's been a fun season for sure. Yeah, man. No, I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you got on a bird. You worked hard. You, you had some close encounters. It was a, a, a fun deal. I, my only regret from this year is the friggin' COVID had to come sweeping across the country and you and I didn't get a chance to hunt because dude, we could have, we could have got some awesome footage for everybody. You know, I mean, I think, uh, some of these bottoms that I'd that I had uh, hunted over here. If you could have come over here, man, I think you would. You'd probably be tagged out right now, to be honest. Yeah, man, I was really looking forward to coming up there because I was like, well, heck, maybe I can get a Osceola and an Eastern uh, this season. Because yeah, where you're at, they're considered Easterns. Where I'm at, they're considered Osceolas. So that would have been fun too, just to get an Eastern and Osceola, sure, in the same state <laughs> type deal. Yeah. same yeah, season same season same state uh, <laughs> that's always fun so but hey you, you've done your uh, due diligence this season and figured out what, what the birds are doing in your area and where they're at so yeah. next season hey man i'm i'm looking forward to coming up there uh for sure and uh spending some time up there with you and hopefully like you said we can uh, capture some of it uh on video oh yeah for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to invest in a smaller... The, the tripod I've got is fine for stills and like doing the vlogs that we do, but 
you know, nothing tells you how ill-prepared you are for something like going out and doing it, right? right? Like, I thought the tripod would work fine and all this stuff, and dude, it just sucked. It was terrible. And, and guys, I, I took the camera on numerous hunts this year and had some close encounters, no, no real good like footage of animals that, you know, the birds always like hung up just outside of the you know, camera range or they had something between us and them. So I don't really have much to show for it, but I did learn some lessons and I'm going to get a small lightweight uh, tripod that's got a little ball head on top so I can level it uh, like a little more quickly than trying to adjust each of the legs and stuff like that. So next year I'll be toting the camera. I, unless it's raining, it's going to be out there with me because I had some, really close encounters where you can hear the bird even drumming on the, on the video. He, he was so close. Um, so it, it was a good time and I, I can't wait, man. Next year. I, I just, I can, I can feel it right now. We're going to, we're going to get some birds down on, on camera. It's just going to be freaking awesome. I can't wait, dude. This yeah, is, it will be awesome next year. I, I'm already making plans. Yeah, and hopefully we can get out of state as well. Kind of get, get out of Florida yeah. some and maybe extend the season a little bit. Or just get to some of these hot spots when they're hot. I mean, I've heard so many different podcasts this year about like how on fire like certain areas of Alabama and Tennessee were like opening weekend or the first two weeks of the season of people taking like three, four birds that first week of the season. But yeah, I mean that to me that's like, and that wasn't just like one person. It, it was just like multiple reports of people just just tearing it up this season up there. I don't know if they just had. It was like one of those years where they had a great hatch like two years ago and they were just tearing the birds up for that reason. Who knows? It may not be good next year (laughs) because of all this. Yeah. yeah. So that that would be the (laughs) irony. Like, oh man, it was awesome. We went up there. It was like, man, it was a ghost town this year. (laughs) Slaughtered them birds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you right now that I'll have a Georgia tag for next spring. Um, between between the places in southeast Georgia that I used to turkey hunt that I know hold b- birds on an annual basis to uh, you know honestly even going up to North Georgia you know I, I hear rumors uh, that uh, several different podcasts and YouTubers might be convening in North Georgia for turkey and deer next year um, so uh, we'll keep you guys posted as that comes but dude I think next year what we ought to do is maybe in January or February when people still have time to plan these things maybe we should kind of outline how we're planning our turkey season and maybe that's something we should do for deer as well kind of show people or outline to people how we're going to uh, play our quota tags and the overlapping zones and how I think there's really if you're willing to do a little bit of traveling uh, you can get probably a little more out of your 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 deer and turkey seasons especially deer if you live in in Florida or the Georgia area because all the zones overlap differently and you know you can get on birds real early in the southern zone and then you can come up move into the panhandle which got hot about middle middle of the season which was three weeks after you know the bottom uh part of the state got going and then you know next year we can we can move up and hunt southwest georgia and north georgia i think it'd be kind of cool a little mini uh, turkey tour yeah it would be kind of cool i was supposed to actually go to south dakota this year with my father-in-law uh to oh, go after right. Miriam's, but whenever the COVID thing hit, it just we just like, well, I guess we're not going uh, this season because we weren't going to drive out there. Um, we were gonna we were gonna end up flying out there, so uh, that that got put on hold. Um, and I also had an invite from uh, Preston Mullins from the DIY Hunter 
uh, to go out there as well. And I'm just like, ah, it just, it's not going to work out this year. <laughs> it's not yeah. going to work out this year. Yeah. So, but hey, it is what it is. You just have to uh, plan on it for uh, the next season. Absolutely. We need to we need to go up and hunt with Preston, dude. He is for three years now. He's given me an invite every year. We need to go up and hunt PA. Uh, or Ohio, wherever it is he's wanting to hunt with us, and then maybe swing over and see the Whitetail Distraction Boys and and shake their hands and you know maybe show them how to kill some birds. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good time. <laughs> I'd love to get up with all those guys, man. Yeah. They're all hardcore hunters, just like we are, and it's always fun when you can uh, meet up with uh, guys like that who share the same passion for hunting that you do. Absolutely, yeah. Well, in uh, natural segue is. We need to thank the people who are helping us travel, who are helping us do these trips and document them uh, for the podcast. And first and foremost, that's the Patreon subscribers. I mean, you guys contribute on a monthly basis so that we can buy camera equipment, we can we can buy out-of-state tags and do these these trips. And without your guys' help, we don't get to do as much as we normally would. So thank you for, for doing what you're doing. And if you don't know what Patreon is... It is a monthly subscription service where you can donate two, five, or ten dollars to the podcast. Every tier comes with different benefits, but everyone is entered into our quarterly giveaways, which Chase, you've got an exciting announcement for. Yeah, that's right. We've been talking about this Trophy Ridge React uh, H5 site for some time now. Yeah, that we were going to uh, do it, do a giveaway for that site, and we're finally getting to that. We've had some deals where you did a podcast by yourself i did a podcast by myself we just weren't kind of meeting in the middle there to be able to announce the winner uh, for this quarter's giveaway so we're going to do that right now the winner for the trophy ridge react 5 site is john porter he is one of our patreon members Uh, he's real active on our um, marco polo chat that we got going on there so congrats dude yeah, yeah, he is. I think the resident archery nut of the of the group. Now, I may be overspeaking there, but he's the most vocal one uh, for sure. He he's got he's always sharing tips and tricks and things that he's learned. He's he's very very passionate about bow hunting. So I think that is awesome that he wanted this go around. I, I I couldn't think of a better person at the at, off the top of my head to for it to have gone to. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. He's always uh, sharing stuff about archery and trying to. Uh, get us involved in talking about apps and things that he's using that's helped him a lot uh, further his archery expertise that he's currently working on. So it was just great for uh, him to win it. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's, you know, every once in a while we get to do, and and, and the, the prizes land where it's like very clearly that person's greatest interest. And uh, that's just cool, man, that we're able to to do that for the people who support the show. But the cool thing is uh, it's time to start shifting from turkey season and not too long our podcast will, but our giveaway is going to shift this quarter. So for this quarter, we're going to be giving away, and I don't know any other place you could go to do this, but we're giving away a tethered phantom saddle, which... (laughs) I, I'm jacked about this, dude. This is this is cool. This may be one of the the larger giveaways we've done. Yeah, no doubt, man. That tethered phantom is a sweet item, uh, especially uh, for a lot of our listeners who are like saddle hunting uh, maniacs, like we are. So it, I think it is it'll be great for us to go ahead and do this giveaway. So it'll give people the person whoever gets it time to sure. go out and play with it plenty before the season and get all their uh, stuff ready 
uh, to get out there this deer season. Yeah, and they can use it for other things too. I mean, we we talk about deer season. You you can use it for hogs and Mm -hmm. other things as well. I mean, I think someone shot a turkey out of one this this season. Yes, if if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) So you can use it for a variety of things, but uh, it'll be just fun to give it to somebody. They can get out and play with it, and and they'd be able to give us some feedback on what they think about it. Yeah, well, and the feedback is what made the phantom. You know, all the. All the, 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 the critiques and the items and the wish list items were all put together and they put as many of those in the, the Phantom uh, that the that they could. So there's a lot of good stuff uh, tied in there. And I know that uh, I'm, I'm not going to speak to the details just yet. It'll be on the next episode. But I know it's not just the Phantom. I know that we're doing, giving away accessories that go along with it. Um, it, it's going to be cool, man. I'm, I'm really excited, uh, to give this away and, and hopefully soon we're going to be able to link up with Greg and go over everything that the Phantom does better with you guys and, and, and kind of share that with you and kind of catch up with him. He's an awesome dude to talk to. So, um, maybe we can all link up during the, now that we've pushed the yak and for bass challenge back, maybe we can link up and go bass fishing and do it then. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be a great time. Uh, we love having Greg on the show. Uh, he's a great guy. He's always e- excited and everything else. So it'd be great to have him on and have the expert uh, come on and talk about the Phantom. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you guys know that Tethered Sponsor is the title sponsor of this podcast. They've invested heavily in us and our future, and we just love to give them love uh, as well and, and share the word of what they're doing because, man, they're just an awesome company. But, uh, guys, you know, last, I guess, push for you guys is we need to sign up for the Yak and for Bass Challenge. Uh, Chase and I have been watching this COVID situation uh, rather closely, and as you know, we, we postponed the event by a month. And, dude, it looks like that may, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that may have been the right call. And uh, from what I'm seeing, most of the country is going to start opening up uh, right about the time the the Yakima Bass Challenge kicks off. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And it's still a good way to do the social distancing anyways. So you get out there in your kayak, you're – not you're most of them are single person kayak so you're not within six (laughs) feet of somebody anyways right uh so i and it'll just be a good time for people to get outside have some fun have some uh some friendly competition going on and follow along for that month-long adventure i'm so glad that we chose to make this tournament a month long because it's just fun for that whole entire month just going back and forth with people seeing what people are doing and then it gives everybody that opportunity to get out there and fish more than just maybe uh, a day or two uh, for the month. So it's a great time. And I encourage any of our listeners who are thinking about doing it is just sign up for it because even if you only get to go out to fish a few times, it's still, we're using this as a way to donate money uh, for a charity for the take me fishing.org or something in that the yep, charity take that me, we're take me fishing.org. Yep. So, I mean, that, that's just another thing that you can do to kind of help contribute to getting more people out there to fish and more people out, uh, the outdoors. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I think it's going to be a good time. I think people need something to look forward to, you know, the news and the doom and gloom and everything is, is tough, man. From you're getting it from all angles right now. And I think, I think, uh, like you said, you can remain socially distant while you bass fish. Uh, get out there and enjoy some warmer weather. I know it's going to be in the 90s next week for us. So, uh, guys, you know, I 
sign up for the challenge. Get ready. Join our small group on Facebook called Yakin' for Bass Challenge. Uh, we're going to start throwing some, uh, as the cool kids say, dank memes out there, uh, making fun of each other and getting everybody hyped up. And uh, we're going to start announcing the sponsors of this tournament as well in the coming weeks. So I'm excited. You should be excited. It's a good time to get outside. And, uh, man, I, I think we should probably go ahead and wrap this up. We, I talked to you weren't able to join this podcast, but uh, I was able to link up with uh, the Bayside Legion and their pursuit to kill f- uh, a bird in all 49 states, kind of the chasing 49 theme there. Um, we talked about Hawaii, which I think for you and I needs to become a destination hunt. Uh, my wife is fully on board. I, I have a feeling it wouldn't be hard to convince your wife either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautiful, beautiful scenery if anybody hasn't seen Hawaii. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, good guys, man. Derek and Bonser, you can, you can see the passion in their, in their, in their voice and the way that they talk about things. And dude, I swear to you, they must've killed like 20, 30 birds this year. It's absurd. Maybe not that many, but it's, it, it right. seems like every day I log in and one of them's got another, another grip and grin where they've killed another bird. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I was sad that I, I had to miss that one. Uh, it was my wedding anniversary, and we had scheduled it for like a couple of weeks in advance. I was like, "Yeah, I got that date, no problem." And then it's like, "Is it got like a day before?" I was like, "We had a podcast tomorrow." I was like, "Oh, wait a second, uh, anniversary. Uh, let me let me go ahead and tell the lady, hey, I'm going to do a podcast this evening <laughs> for our anniversary." <laughs> Not going to so fly. <laughs> I figured I'd be like, "Well, Walter's going to have to go solo on this one uh, yeah. for sure." Yeah. So, so I can do more podcast after that. <laughs> so that your so that your after reign as co-host by. doesn't end. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but I, I'm looking forward uh, to listening to it, and I think that's. Uh, it, it seems like there's real like turkey hunting nuts, man. They they want to do that 49 state thing or the, all the slams that are involved with it. And I, I think that's cool, man. I, I don't know that I'll ever get that involved. Maybe, maybe when I retire, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go after that pursuit or something. But I, I don't see it happening right now in my current situation with the kids and everything else I got going on right now. But someday, someday I may go. You know what? It's time. Yeah. But until then, I, I'll live vicariously through these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's definitely something I want to do realistically, it's probably something that I'm not prepared to do. I was talking to my wife about it the other day, and she's like, man, that's going to be a lot of traveling for turkeys. And I was sitting here thinking, you know what, Walter? You lucked into one bird. You managed to kill a second one somehow. You probably should put some birds on the ground before you start spending right. thousands of dollars to travel the country chasing birds in, in other harder-to-hunt places, you know, that I don't have the ability of scouting for weeks on end. I mean, dude, they are impressive hunters. The way that they just pick a place and go and manage to get on birds, it's nuts. Yeah, no doubt. And you can also use this time to network with people. So yeah. whenever you are ready, you can be like, hey, remember when I was talking about coming out to Missouri? Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm, it. I'm ready to knock that one off the old list there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be a good time, man. So let's, uh, let's end this intro and let's send these guys on to the podcast. It's a good one. This episode is brought to you by me, Taylor Hancock with Coach by Taylor. By combining my love of arts and crafts and the outdoors, I've designed and handmade a unique tote to help you carry that big gobbler out of the woods with hands-free ease and comfort. Check out my Facebook page at Totes by Taylor for more information and videos. Send me a message or email for a question or to place an order. Thank you so much and good luck. 
Anything you say can and will be used against you on social media. Oh <clears throat> All right, y'all. I am joined by a couple of turkey hunting fanatics. I'm talking the kind of people that lay in bed in the middle of summer. They're thinking about the turkey season that they just had, and, and they're eating the, the turkey meat they've got in the freezer, but they're already planning next year in a lot of states. Now, you guys probably think about, oh, they're going to one or two states. These guys have got the magic number 49 on their mind. And I am talking to none other than Bayside Legion, Bonson and Derek. Gentlemen, thank you for not only driving to uh, get cell service to be on this call, but then tolerating me canceling the call and then messaging you back real quick and saying, hey, can you still do it? Because <laughs> there was a little bit of chaos this afternoon, but you, but you, you stuck with me and I appreciate it. Hey, we appreciate you having us. So let's give everybody kind of a, a an elevator pitch. What is the Bayside Bayside Legion? Well, it's there, a, a video project that Bonson and I kind of threw together. Um, we had, I guess, it came into officialness, like, I guess, last year um, prior to spring season, where we were like, all right, we're going to really step up the traveling notch, and um, we just wanted to document our events, so. We're going to start filming and doing every day that we were hitting the road and, and throw it up on YouTube and hope for the best, whether it was enjoyable or not, we were going to put it together. And that's kind of where, where it came from. I So I, I'm curious, I, who got the turkey bug first or who came up with this idea first? How did you guys get into uh, – let's just back it up entirely. Who got you into turkey hunting? <laughs> Well, um, I probably got into it, well, I know I got into it before Derek did, just because I was born into it. Um, my father has traveled to turkey hunt for the past, oh, 40-some years, probably. Oh, wow. Um, he's traveled all across the East Coast turkey hunting, and that's just what he did. So when I started, you know, when I was able to hold a gun, I started turkey hunting as well. And traveling to turkey hunt was just something that, you know, for me, that was just normal, was you need to go hit multiple states to turkey hunt. That was just what turkey hunting meant. Um, but then the filming thing, that kind of, that took a little bit different hold. Derek, how'd you get into that turkey hunting? Well, turkey hunting, um, I kind of grew up more as a deer hunter. My dad was a bow hunting fanatic and was dragging me out, putting two tree stands up like every day that he could. <laughs> so I grew up on that side of it. Um, we didn't really have turkey hunting come into the play until I was probably about 12, 13 years old. Um, and it was at a very small increment. Like we, we hunt a few days a year and it wasn't until I was, I think I was 19 years old when I finally killed my first bird. But since then I realized that like there was nothing better than chasing turkeys and listening to that gobble. <laughs> and it's just completely overtaken and there's nothing I'd rather do now than turkey hunt you know uh, are we can we all say that we're turkey snobs everybody on this phone call is a turkey snob we'd prefer to turkey hunt than deer hunt oh definitely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i finally They're found my company <laughs> <laughs> if they let us do it all year well i mean they do to some extent but we'd we'd be out there if it was the same as the spring hunt all year long we'd be out there yeah, we do we like the duck hunting too, but we, you know, um, are you guys familiar with the urban? Is it the the urban hunter or the urban bowman? Um, Taylor Chamberlain up in in Virginia. 
little bit, yes. Yeah, so, you know, the premise there is he's got, you know, an overabundance of deer, and he hunts like 300-and-something days out of the year for deer. I need some state official who's listening to this podcast to let their wild turkey population in, a, in an urban setting go absolutely ape-wild. I will move there immediately, and I swear to you, I don't know if I would really ever deer hunt, dude. I mean, this is my first year turkey hunting, like hardcore where – I had someone invest in me and someone pour the time into me. And, I, dude, I can tell you right now, if turkey season ran the fall, man, I'd, I'd put my bow up. I wouldn't have any need for it. Well, there are states that have fall season. It's just to let you know. But I mean, that's a good point. I said that. My state is one of those. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, not Florida like pretty, the spring. Florida has a pretty open fall season. Like, them. Doesn't it start in August in some shape or form? Uh, it's more like September, but yeah, I mean, it's, well, no, I guess it is August if you go down to the, to the Southern zones. Um, I'll have to look up on that. I know for me, it starts in October and runs, uh, right up until about December, right about the time gun season opens up. You can use a, a bow to, to, to kill them. And then after that, I think there's maybe, maybe it allows a muzzleloader, but then it goes, you know, it kind of dissipates again, but I think we get like three months of. In my region, we get like three months of turkey season spread across uh, fall and spring. Yeah, but I, I don't. I, I'm, okay, so let's let's chase that rabbit for just a second. How does how does fall turkey hunting differ from spring turkey hunting? A uh, big thing in the fall is locating birds. Um, like it, it seems to be a challenge to to find them. But once you do find them, you can have with the right weather some really phenomenal hunts and some really, I I would say, classic textbook springtime style hunts in the fall i mean we we get to experience it a couple times a year sometimes and it can be a lot of fun now when you when you say springtime you mean gobbling and everything or gobbling strutting drumming everything they do in the spring they'll do it in the the fall (laughs) i don't know if everywhere is like that but every now and then we'll get the weather the weather right they'll be feeling it pretty good what? Oh man. Okay. Now I'm gonna have. I'm, you might have just robbed my deer season from me entirely, which is not gonna be the end of the world. But <laughs> we, we got a couple of pretty good fall videos out there where they gobble and and it's it's a fun time. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go back. Maybe I haven't binged all your content. I thought I had, but maybe it's just this 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 year's <laughs> content is what I I should have said. But um, so why where was the evolution of the camera because the camera as i can personally attest makes everything 4000 times harder why did you guys decide to pick up that additional burden as well well i started with the filming thing i guess um actually Derek kind of talked me into buying a tacticam and i did it because i at the time was watching um the big outdoor shows on tv and i didn't see anybody hunting the way that i hunted and so I thought I had the idea that, you know, I would film the way that I hunt, which is in the woods, which is generally without decoys. It is more, and I hate to use this word, but it's more run and gun style. But to me, that's just the only way that I ever knew. So it's just walking until you find a bird and then hunting that bird. Um, so I started with the filming thing and then quickly realized that one Tacticam, while it was great for personal memories, not such entertaining video to watch <laughs> um, and so that's kind of when Derek and I started talking about actually starting a YouTube channel and then we kind of made the investment on some budget line cameras we both continued to use the Tacticams as a fail safe um, and kind of went from there from last year 
yeah, there's some some really good YouTube channels out there, um, like the Heavy Project and the Hunting Public and Calling All Turkeys that they kind of, I mean, we're they hunt in a similar manner. Um, but one thing, with the exception of Dave, sometimes nobody's really hunting by themselves, which is like 90% of what we do. But I think we might have a handful of videos where we actually hunt together. Is that a point of pride for you guys that you're true solo solo film hunt, filming hunters? It's just nature of how we do it. Um, honestly, to me, turkey hunting's one man game. You know, you're it's you against him, and and that's all that need be involved. Um, and what I think was we we've known each other for 14 years, been best friends, talking about turkey hunting every time we go out. Um, for the last 14 years and we hunted together for the very first time last season no kidding <laughs> that was only because we found a couple of turkeys on the side of the road and there wasn't <laughs> going to be one person who sat in the truck while the other person went in the woods. like that just wasn't going to happen so that was that kind of forced us to hunt together so. well okay but all right let's let's unpack this a little more though because this is so bizarre to me i have got don't get me wrong. I've definitely got friends that I'd rather be hunting by myself for a variety variety of reasons. Largely, they talk or move too much. But I, I've got some really good friends that when I go hunting and, and they want to go, like, I wouldn't balk at the idea. In fact, I sometimes plan hunts around it. What is it? Is it, is it a conflict of styles between you? Like, uh, one wants the decoy 10 feet in front of them and the other one wants it 25 and it's a point of contention that leads to that? Or you just genuinely just want it to be a solo pursuit for for each other? Yeah, not at all. Uh, like, as far as us getting along, we have very, very similar styles. Like, I mean, there's a few differences here and there, but like last year when we were, we did a Western leg at Oklahoma, Colorado, and New Mexico, and we kind of hunted together some on that trip. Um, I mean, it was like, we, we didn't conflict at all really because we knew what to do and we knew how we hunted and how to hunt with each other. I mean, it went really well considering it was the first time it had happened. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, that's, I, I don't know. It's just who like you guys are. Her first turkey trip on East Tennessee. And it was just, all right, you go to that side, I go to this side. It's how it's always been. <laughs> Divide and conquer, I guess. I got you. I got you. That, 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 that makes sense. So you're not necessarily opposed to be hunting in a similar area versus you just don't seek uh, one guy running the camera and the other guy doing the shooting, per se. Right. I got right. you. That makes sense. So from a, a, a self-filming perspective, what do you think, uh, for the guy who's listening to this and it's really getting him excited, what do you think some of the minimum equipment is for those people? What have you, de- what have you decided is the perfect turkey-like hunting rig for yourself how many cameras what style cameras i wouldn't say we've we've dialed in perfection yet but i think we figured out what we like um we run a main camcorder on a tripod and then run a tacticam on the barrel and have a wide angle tacticam on a stake or clamp that points back at you that way because even just having the, t- the barrel cam and the the tripod that gets you everything out in front of you. But when you're just going back to review that footage, that third angle pointing back at you is something you can mix in and kind of break it up. So it's not complete. Just, Oh, these are pretty woods with 
a turkey gobbling on the other side of it. Keeps things a little more interesting sometimes. Sure. I think sometimes it can save you as well. I feel like uh, one of Bonds's vi- – Bonds, you were the one that went down to Florida this year, right, with your dad? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one year, like the the large part of your video wasn't shot on a uh, on a camcorder. It was done on, a, on, I think, an action cam, and it turned out great. Um, was that intentional? I'm trying to remember which video that was. So because my dad's video was done – the bird that my dad shot – was a lot of a tactic cam because I didn't have time to put up a big camera. Um, but that's probably the one that you're talking about because I had the tactic cam facing back towards me. And then just because of the scenario of that hunt, it was, we need to put our butts on the ground now because something could happen in literally any second, you know? So I just threw down the big camera, the small, you know, the, uh, the tactic cam was already in my hand. So I just turned the thing on and, pointed it facing towards me and then i knew that that wasn't going to be the best but that that angle can save a hunt because then you have at least some footage other than just the barrel cam and when we hunt you know this in the woods when we can see a turkey most of the time that's when we're going to pull the trigger so you know there's not a whole lot of waiting around because we don't you know that bird's looking for you so the moment that you see that bird that bird can easily spot you and as good as camouflage is nowadays, and it, all it takes is one smart bird to figure that out, and then the moment he sees you, he can be gone. So we generally don't give birds too many times to, to play around, and once we see them, we pull the trigger. So that extra angle really helps. No, oh, absolutely. And it has absolutely saved, at least so you get something out of it. You know, we've had like an issue sometimes to recoil from the shot, shut the camera off. Um, so you don't pick up the gun camera. You still have that angle pointing back at you. You have something. I mean, take uh, my Hawaii video. Like, that's all I had. So that's what got used. Right. Yeah. No, and I think I experienced that. I I am a – I'm an outdoorsman at heart, but ever since I saw my first, like, video – like, the first time I saw somebody take a camcorder out and film their own hunt, I have just been, like – enamored with the idea of do of doing the same thing i just there's something about documenting obviously i'm, I'm preaching to the choir here but it, it, there's something about documenting that pursuit so that you can watch it in the future and so you can share it with people and share that experience who maybe they're stuck at home or maybe they can't hunt or any number of reasons maybe you want to just show it you show it to your kids one day you know i mean I've been enamored with that in this turkey season being really kind of what I consider my inaugural turkey season. I just like, dude, I'm leaving it at home. And I shot my first bird and then I started to feel it a little more. It started creeping in. I was like, man, I, I really ought to take this camera. And there were several hunts where it's like, oh, put your butt on the ground now. He fired off on the other side of that palmetto. <laughs> you don't have time to fool around. And I was sitting there thinking, I wish I had a GoPro on my barrel. I could just, you know, push go and get something out of this, you know. Yeah, I, um, yep. I've really underestimated how much I would enjoy the sharing aspect of it. Because um, when when we first started talking about filming, it's like, yeah, okay, you know, we're 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 doing some cool stuff, and most of it was catered around traveling. That you know, we're going to new places, and we might as well show people, you know, what we're going through, what we're seeing. It's kind of the gist of it. So, um, but then once actually going through it and starting to edit and and put it out there it was like um 
it's it's amazing how much I geek out when we post a new video and I'm just sitting there watching the likes or the the views town up and it's like I I get so wrapped into it. I I learned to really like it for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, it it's almost kind of like sharing the meat, right? Like you know how it's always said that hunters no one goes and buys a Boston butt for for twenty five cents a pound at the grocery store and comes home and cuts it in half and gives it to their neighbors. But a, a deer hunter's in the driveway and their neighbors all excited about it. And you you know you give them a roast, you give them some jerky or something. I kind of feel like it's 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 an equivalent to that in in, in some regards. Am I am I nuts right. there, or do you kind of feel like it's the same vein? No, it's 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 similar. Um, and yeah, you know, the analogy. big part. Go ahead. I was going to say that's a good analogy for it. I hadn't thought of it in that same term, but that's that's a pretty good analogy for it. I like that. <laughs> I haven't and licensed it yet, so you can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe because we're solo hunters so much, and like this is our opportunity to share it with somebody. Yeah. Well. Have y'all encountered where it's like something crazy happens and you get it on film? It should never have happened, but you got it on film, and now you're not that dude at the at deer camp or turkey camp going, you're not going to believe what happened. This was absolutely out of this world. Everybody's like, yeah, uh-huh, this guy's always got these crazy stories. <laughs> um, yeah, go and look at my first Alabama video from this year, and uh, that one is one of those situations because I literally, long story short, called in this bird. It was on fire. I had to wrap myself around this tree, stood up from sitting down with the bird at 30 yards, missed him at 20 yards. He takes off running, and 75 yards away, he gobbles again. And then he walks off a little ways, and then I call him right back in and shoot him. So, yeah, that's one of those that nobody would believe that if I didn't get it on the film, especially because it was in Alabama. Nobody's going to believe that would happen, but... It did. <laughs> that's nuts. I would. That that's exactly my. I shot a deer this year, and all the deer trails basically went away from where where I was, and there was there was literally no deer sign underneath me. And I'm. It's basically just a throwaway observation hunt. Just wanted to make sure the deer were doing what I thought they were. This doe comes pushing through brush. I mean, like she could have walked around what she wanted to, but she just barrels right through the thickest blackberry and briar vines you've ever seen, just pushing through it, cuts clear across the field, and I'm on the side of this pine tree, completely exposed, 15 feet up in the air, not, not, again, I'm just, I'm just watching, I'm not expecting anything to come by, she walks underneath my, my gum tree, and I shot her broadside at 15 yards, and she's looking up at me, like, like there's nothing even, looking my way, like there's nothing even there, nothing in the world to be upset about, I have no idea why this deer did this, but if I told you, you'd think I'm making up some kind of crazy story, you know, but, there, got it on film. When it comes to crazy stories and turkeys, I think uh, Old Pro Turkey Hunter by Gene Nunnery kind of highlights this. Like, some things you just don't doubt because... <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you, anything can happen out there, and turkeys are a very unpredictable animal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I do as well. I think, uh, I think no one ever wins the lottery. This is a theory I'm working on. You guys tell me if I'm right or wrong here or if I'm going the right direction. I think everybody wants to win the lottery, but nobody's ever going to consistently do it. Not because the odds are against them, but I think both the turkeys and turkey hunters use up all of a, all of a year's worth of luck in the, in the month and a half that we get to chase turkeys. I think it's done, man. I think between the birds getting lucky and doing stupid stuff or we getting lucky and them, them doing something they're not supposed to, I think we just burn up a whole year's worth of luck in two months. 
Uh, yeah, I'm burning up probably a lifetime of luck on this season because <laughs> this season has been um, exceptional to say the least. And of so many hunts, I look back and go, man, that could have gone the opposite direction so fast. Like it's not just one step of that bird could have changed, you know, could have changed that hunt completely. And they all just all stepped in the right direction. I mean, it's just one of those very lucky seasons, and I'm very thankful for it. So, I'm as gentlemen who get to hunt a lot, put in as much time on an annual basis chasing turkeys. I'm curious. I want to pick your brain. What do you think makes a turkey killer versus a turkey hunter? Go ahead, Dave. Uh, that I would say. Well, I'm going to have to change your your terminology a little bit. Go for I it. I think there are people who hunt turkeys. And then I think that there are turkey hunters because I consider myself to be one of those people who hunts deer, but I don't really consider myself a deer hunter because I'm not going to put in the time and the effort to learn deer like I have learned turkeys. I will go because it's a hunting season, and if there's not ducks flying, it is something for me to go do, and it's something that gets me outside. But I'm not going to put in that time and that effort to like I have for ducks or geese or for turkeys. So. That's my own opinion on the matter. Um, but I think somebody who is a turkey hunter is somebody who is willing to give it everything they've got every time they go out. And whatever manner, form that takes, they're willing to learn everything they can learn about every hunt and use it on the next hunt, you know. That's, to me, what somebody that makes a turkey hunter. You can't have quit in your body. To, to take it on. I mean, you just got to keep pushing yourself, keep pushing yourself and just not accept anything else as a, another option. You just got to keep driving. If your, your objective is to learn every day, you'll make it out. Yeah. I think, I think those are both solid answers. I think being a, a, a student uh, of whatever, uh, I hate to use the word sport, a student of, of whatever trade or skill or, or whatever it is you're trying to learn, I think is important. Really understanding, um, understanding why you're doing what you're doing. I think it's, it's easy. And I fell into this trap this year and you guys tell me if I'm on the right path here or not, but I, I feel like, uh, probably a lot of people are making toy Turkey noises. They're not exactly talking Turkey. And I don't think Turkey noises hurt you, but I think Turkey talking, uh, helps you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, knowing when to call, that's right. absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely important. Um, my bird that I ended up getting today was is a very prime example of that because he was following, I don't know, twenty five or so hens up a hill, and I got him to turn around and come back because I was able to read what he was doing, and I had hoped that I would be able to sound like an aggressive enough hen that was behind him that he would turn around to come fetch me to get me back into the, into the, his, into his group. Um, and it turned out to work, but knowing to do that when I did it, I think is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I think maybe that's when people start to really turn the corner too, as well as Turkey hunters, like you start to feel kind of in control of, of the hunt. Not that you're ever really in control, but you know that that you feel like you've got a game to play, and you aren't just kind of subject to the whims of a pea-sized brain of a dinosaur. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> there's maybe a bit of optimism when you make a turkey noise instead of just hopefulness. So why why forty nine? Why not uh, why not like a super slam? Or are those things still in the works as well? Why are you guys chasing uh, 
how, how do you decide what you're going to go after inside those 49 states? Okay. Well, the, um, the Grand Slam, honestly, that had never really, like, it was just one of those things when it's like, all right, I'll get to that. Like, it wasn't a real big goal of mine to do. Um, the 49 thing came about, I guess, um, Bonsa's father met a guy named Doc Weddle at a turkey camp. And it was long enough ago. I don't, I think when he met him, he had not completed it, but he was working towards his first one. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Bonsa. I think now he has three. Correct. I believe he is at three, and I think he's trying for his fourth one this year. Working on his fourth, right. Um, but at the time, I think he was still working for number one. And when he pitched the idea to Bonds, really, really set in with him on, like, this is something you want to do. Um, I'd heard about it and said, yeah, that sounds cool, but it's a very distant thought. Like, I wasn't, it's like, that's that's such a huge bite to take that, like, how do you commit to something like that? Um, and it wasn't until... I guess we had started traveling more and more just to extend turkey season, right? Um, our seasons are pretty short. We get from, like, April 18th to May 23rd. And, um, like, staying within my own state, just it wasn't enough anymore. I just I had to keep getting more and more. So then it put me, all right, what starts earlier? So we go down to Tennessee or we go to Virginia or go to Georgia. And it wasn't until I, for myself, was Florida – Florida was just such a unique environment. And I mean, it's, it's like nothing you as an Eastern Turkey hunter can comprehend. It's just so different. So extreme. And it's like, this is so cool. There's goblin turkeys here. And then I think right before I went to Florida, I'd read doc's first book. Uh, it's called 50 tales and tales or tales and tales from across the U S and I just finished reading that book and he painted such a cool picture of what it's about to chase 49. And it's like, man, if this, if I had this experience in Florida, like how much would I enjoy just seeing everywhere that turkeys exist? You know, you just got to do it all. And that's kind of where it really, really sunk in. And it's like, this, this is becoming more than just a, a pipe dream at this point. And, I want to do it. Yeah, no, I, I, I could see that. You know, it's it's one of those things where we're lucky that our season starts as early as it is here. I mean, my, our friends up in PA, uh, the Whitetail Distraction Boys, they, uh, well, even Preston, you know, their season doesn't start, it seems like, till May. And I think I'd just go nuts. You know, a lot of, <laughs> a deer season ends for a lot of people, like December, January, and to have to go four months uh, without being able to pursue something. Whereas down here, you know, eight, March 21st, it kicked off. I'm I'm on the opposite end of this. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm gonna get a Georgia tag because I can chase three more birds there uh, through through May fifteenth, you know. <laughs> and that's that's just across the pond, uh, the 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 street for me. Basically, I'm right here in Tallahassee, so um, I, I'm with you, man. And then you start, you know, after following you guys, there's some really cool places. Like Bonds just killed a bird in the Rockies, man. I'm looking at that like I bet there's some good elk hunting not far from there. <laughs> no doubt about it. I've seen a bunch of elk. Have you? <laughs> yeah, a bunch of elk. I've seen more mule deer than I even could put a number to. I mean, <laughs> honest to God, there's like around every corner, there's more mule deer there. 
So, yeah. And that's the, the cool thing about getting to do this is I just saw bighorn sheep as I was driving up. Um, <laughs> I've never seen a bighorn sheep, but there they are standing there on the side of the road, you know. And that's I never would have been in this state at this time, at that particular moment, to see that bighorn sheep standing there had I not been for turkeys. Yeah. That's just... Yeah, like, as we speak, the place <laughs> that I found that had cell reception, which I'm in South Dakota, I can look to the left of my truck and see three pronghorn antelope and look to the right of my truck and I got a bison laying down out in the prairie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have got my view beat right now. I'm stuck at home for COVID, so... <laughs> You guys keep rubbing it in. I appreciate it. We're quarantining. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Y'all are definitely socially distant. That's for sure. <laughs> so uh, how, how has y'all season gone thus far? Where did you kick off things and, and maybe touch on some of the highlights? Well, we started in Hawaii, which was freaking incredible. Yeah. That's a, a place that, you know, hadn't really considered as an option to turkey hunt until this 49 thing came about. So turkey Mecca. The fact the fact that it took us there was really, really <laughs> unique and very different than I think either of us expected. Yeah, and I'll give Derek all the credit on the Hawaii thing. Like, I knew some people, Doc, the guy that we mentioned, he was going to Hawaii, and a couple other people that I knew were going to Hawaii. And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool, but, man, I know that, you know, that trip's expensive, and I just kind of put it out of my mind. And Derek kept hammering. He's like, we need to go to Hawaii. We need to go to Hawaii. <laughs> and he's like, my wife is in. We're go- my wife is in. She wants to go to Hawaii. And so then I'm like, well, crap, now <laughs> yeah. my wife, you know, and then my wife is like, yeah, I want to go to Hawaii. So now we're like, well, crap, how are we going to afford to go to Hawaii? How are we going to get, how can we make this economically feasible? So then it was like, oh, well, let's involve our parents. So we ended up involving Derek's parents and his wife and him, my parents, my younger brother and me and my wife. So we all went as a big group and it was, it was an unreal adventure. It was very fun. So by doing nine people splitting the cost of the house, it I think it, it saved us quite a bit as far as housing went. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes a lot more sense how that was a feasible trip for you guys. Yeah, it was still a lot. I mean, there wasn't much about it that was cheap, but we, uh, we pinched pennies to be able to do it, and I'd say it was worth it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So – before okay i want to actually hover on this hawaii thing for a second because my wife is interested as well i showed her the video and she was down so i think we're headed down a similar path and to help me naturally prepare (laughs) for my inevitable uh hawaii turkey hunt what's different about hunting hawaii versus like like hunting here for instance i'm pretty sure they don't have barred owls and crows so can you use locator calls we did get birds to gobble to both barred owls and crow calls and just like a, not just a scream, but kind of like a half coyote, half owl kind of note. Like they just, they would gobble at really any loud noise. Okay. All right. So I can disregard what I read on the internet. Cause the first thing they said was leave that at home because they don't, <laughs> they don't exist there. I was like, wow, man. They okay. They don't know what it is, but yeah, I mean, turkeys will gobble at just about anything. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So let, let's talk about climate. Um, you were hunting in Crocs and swim trunks at all times, right? <laughs> <laughs> you start out the morning when you get out of the, you out of your house to go get into the Jeep. Yeah. You're in Crocs. Well, I'm not in Crocs because I don't wear them, but Derek does. But yeah, you know, it's really <laughs> hot. Cause you're Crocs, at- 
but it's you know like 85 degrees at night or something 80 degrees at night and so when you get out of your house to go get into the jeep to go up the mountain it's 80 degrees and then when you get out of the mountain in one of the locations you know it's below freezing um and then by you know an hour and a half after sunrise the heat got so bad because you were moving around and the sun, what we found was the sun was just so intense. And then you start walking up sheer rock faces that you just heat up so fast. But in the morning when you would sit down to a bird, you would freeze. Like I was bringing a lot of clothes, would sit down, freeze, get up and walk 20 or 30 yards and go, Nope, I got to start shedding clothes because you just start to cook so fast. Yeah. So it's, it's very, odd climate very bipolar climate yeah what 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 uh so how do you prepare for that i mean do you basically like do you have a a layering regimen kind of like you would for elk hunting it sounds like well i've never elk hunted but um so i'm going to assume that the answer is a yes to that because i would wear i would wear like under armor you know, long johns and then pants over top, camo pants over top of that, and then really layer up on my top. And as the day wore on, just start shedding layers. The only problem is, is however much stuff you carry is how much stuff you have to carry with you then at all times. So Uh... all that weight you still have to carry. And I tried to show in some of those videos just how sheer and how steep that mountain is. And, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. The video just doesn't do it justice as to how steep it is and how much elevation changed. Where I shot my birds and where the Jeep was was 2,000 feet up. And on on X, you know, it's only a couple hundred yards if you were to do it as the crow flies. I mean, it's just practically vertical. But that's what you have to go through to get to these birds. I mean, that's where they, I don't know why they live there. There's no food. I don't know what they eat, but they live there for some reason. <laughs> so what what species are you hunting while you're in Hawaii? They're Rios. Rios, okay. And so those... There's some debate that there is possible Miriam mixed in, but we call them Rios all day, every day. Where does that That's debate stem from? Their, their colors or... I think the initial stocking... Um, okay. It mostly came from Texas, but they did. I think New Mexico was one of the states they said they stocked from, which does have Merriams. And then you get a wide variation in the color of the pans. Okay. Uh, some some have pretty light tips, and that's where you get people saying that there's some Merriams mixed in. I got but you. From from what I've seen, and not that we've hunted Western turkeys a lot, there's there's quite a bit of variation in them anyway. Yeah, and the three um, Rios that we got last year in Oklahoma, there was a huge difference in the color. And my one of my Rios was whiter than either of the Miriams that we shot in New Mexico. And it was from Oklahoma and was, you know, deep into historic Rio country. But it was still a whiter bird than the you know, classic Miriam. Hmm. So what are, what are some of the challenges that go into those Hawaii hunts? Like what, what, what weren't you ready for or what, what did you have to prepare for? I'm curious. It can't be just like everything can't translate. Does, does it? Volcano rock. 
we heard about it. They tell you, you got to watch that volcano rock. You'll break your ankles on that volcano rock. And you go, okay. And then the first time you fall on the volcano rock, you realize what they're talking about. Well, maybe not the first time, but by the third time, you really start to realize what they're talking about. Because <laughs> it's painful. Yeah. I No joke. I stepped into a hole. Like that I had some grass covering up and I stepped on the volcano rock and it went straight down to where I never touched. Like I fell down, um, landed on my right knee. My left leg never hit anything underneath it. Ow. And it's just a hole about the size of a foot. It's like a, a big empty cavern underneath it. Something. I don't know. Every footstep, you know, if you're walking around like, I mean, from Florida, you probably want to glance down quite a bit because of snakes and everything. But, you know, you still, you look up to see what's around you as, you as you're walking your environment, whether you're deer hunting, turkey hunting, it doesn't matter, squirrel hunting, you still are looking up, but you occasionally glance down. In Hawaii, every step, you have to look and place every single step. There is no, I'm just going to look up for two or three steps because the moment you do that, you're going to face plant a lava rock. Um, you just can't, you have to look at every single step because if you step, that rock will shift and they're, you know, bigger than a soft, most of them are bigger than a softball size and some of them get a lot bigger, but they all just move. And so you just have to be super careful with every single footstep that you put down. It sounds like a lot more dangerous that, cause I can just put on snake boots. <laughs> right. right. So there's, there is a huge difference between the public land hunting of Hawaii and the private land hunting of Hawaii and kind of like what I've seen in Florida, um, which is where Florida does seem to be a state. There is a huge difference between hunting public and versus hunting private, some private. I know that there is going to be some really tough birds on private and some really easy birds on public, but it does seem like the birds on private act different in Florida as they do on public. Extremely so in Hawaii because there are a ton of birds on private ranches in Hawaii. A ton of birds. If you just drive around, you're going to see turkeys everywhere. Yep. But then once you get farms, up the mountain, backyards. Yeah. <laughs> but then once you get up on the mountain, that's not necessarily where they are. I mean, they are up there and they will move, but because I guess it's because they're Rios that they just like to walk. And so trying to pinpoint one day after day doesn't really happen. Um, the guys that I know that did really well, they kind of lucked into a bird. They walked in, it gobbled, they found it, and they were able to make it, make it count and get it. But other people like me and Derek, we really struggled to have any of that kind of luck. Um, Derek killed on day six, I killed on day seven, and it was, you know, all day, for those days, walking, trying to locate birds. Sounds covering the mind. I went all the way to day six at eleven o'clock before I heard a turkey gobble on public land. Wow! I'd heard plenty of turkeys gobble, but they were all across fences. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. the The designation there is important. So, how do you how do you recover from a once in a lifetime trip from Hawaii coming to places like Florida? <laughs> it seems seems like it'd be really anticlimactic. No, because every bird is different, and every hunt is. I mean, the climatic part of that is the bird itself. So it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter where I'm at. 
it's in the actual hunt. And some hunts can be, you know, the ones that make your heart hammer out your chest. And then there's the other ones that are just, um, you kind of luck into. My white birds were birds that I just kind of lucked into. And there was no like real heart hammering experience in that. Um, I literally was just coming over a rise. I heard some fighting purrs and here come three gobblers running right at me. Okay. You know, and so yes. I made the best of that situation. But then like in Florida, Florida, I'd heard, I'd hunted, I think it was 13 days between two years in Florida trying to find a turkey. And when I finally got one and had it work and had him come in, it was one of those that it just meant so much to me. And it was because of the hunt and how much work I put into it. So it's not that Hawaii was, you know, this extraordinary, I mean, it was an extraordinary place, but it's the bird that matters. Right. The place is just cool scenery and awesome to look at, but I go because of the bird. Yeah. I, I've never, I've never, uh, had my heart race like I do whenever there's a bird, like just over the other side, like losing his mind, you know, you, you could put me in the desert and it would race all the same, I think. Yep. I mean, the cool, like right now the scenery that I'm looking at is just awesome. I've got some awesome mountains around me, but hearing a bird gobble, that's what does it for me. It doesn't matter to me whether it's in hardwoods or pine trees or mountains or flatlands or swamp. I just like to hear a bird gobble. So where have your season travels taken you since then to get to where you are? Obviously we got South Dakota. Where are you actually Bonds? Um, at the moment I'm in Colorado. Okay. But that's I'm my headed favorite to state. California. I got you. <laughs> God, that's, you've been everywhere, man. That's nuts. It's just <laughs> living the dream, dude. Very fortunate. Yeah. Very, very fortunate. Um, to answer your question, so we went to Hawaii, and then I went to Florida because I drew a quota tag. And Florida really wasn't on my radar, but it was one of those, well, I'll put in for a quota tag, and if I get drawn, then I'll go. And I got drawn, so I went down there, and my father went with me. And um, that was awesome to get to be with him when he shot that bird. And from there, I went to Alabama and mississippi and then went to kansas no sorry after mississippi i went to virginia for a few days and then to kansas and now over here to colorado and now i'm headed to california i went from hawaii had to work a little bit when i got back um did a trip down to mississippi and got my butt handed to me (laughs) and came back had to work a little more and then this leg right here did Kansas. Now I'm jumping up to South Dakota. Um, ideally, before I have to go back, would love to do South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana. We'll see how that actually plays out. But that would be the most ideal situation. What's the hardest state in your in you guys' opinion uh, to hunt to hunt birds? I have a <laughs> intimidation with the southeast, um, just because the. Uh, the history behind it like you have some of the best turkey hunters are from the southeast mississippi alabama um you have uh, you know it's it's historic for having birds that don't gobble a whole lot um and it can be a little difficult with lots of hunting pressure from really great turkey hunters so um yeah i would i would say between probably the hardest Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Alabama intimidate me the most. Um, 
Ron's made pretty easy work on Mississippi and Alabama, though. He, <laughs> yeah, was, he was calling birds I three got, hollers over, evidently. I got extremely lucky. Um, for me, though, I would say, and I'm gonna, I know I got lucky, and I know that that's not the norm, and the next time I step foot in those states, there's going to be a reckoning, and I'm going to have to pay the dues that I didn't pay the first time. But um, I would say South Florida is the hardest. Which is a state in itself. Yeah. That is different. (laughs) Yeah. The South Zone is a different state than the Central Zone. It's Australia of the United States. I'm sorry, buddy. Last year, no, you're right. We were there last year, Derek and I, and we hunted seven days. And even though you've got to quit early after quitting time, you know, we just run back, grab a sandwich real quick, and go back out and keep scouting. And I think we were covering something in the 22 miles range every day on foot or on bike every day. Each of us was doing that separately. Like, cause we still weren't hunting together, even though we had the same base camp, we weren't hunting together. And, um, we heard collectively one bird gobble and that was Derek that heard it. And he shot that one bird, <laughs> but I saw a boatload of snakes. Um, you know, and it's a different feeling when you wake up in the morning and you know that you're going to go get waist deep in water before the sun comes up. Before you're a half mile from the truck. Right. <laughs> and waist deep water that has alligators, um, snakes, you know, there's, it's just a totally different planet. There's panthers, bears. Everything seems like it wants to kill and eat you. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Or at least just it's really angry at you for no reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's yeah, uh, we, go I ahead, saw buddy. a panther down there last year. Did you? And yeah, you talk about getting lucky with the camera and having the camera on that was like one of the coolest things. Oh, no, you, you can't just leave it at that. You got to tell that little story. Okay. <laughs> the one bird that I saw I heard. Bigfoot and I got it on camera and then he just leaves it. He just <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. No, it's it's up. Um it was the day I killed my bird. Um I found the birds the night before. Uh had a ballpark idea because I saw them right before dark. I didn't know exactly where they were, but got in that area, they gobbled. Uh ended up calling him in, killing him fairly early. I mean, just a good off the roof hunt. And then I go back because we, I was, I think, seven miles in on the bike. So I'd walk back down the road to get to my bike. And right about the time I get to my bike, I look down the road and there's a cat walking, walking across and then gets in the middle of the road and just walks down the road and got the camera on it and, and just followed it along. It's it's not the best video, but it's, it, it's video. Yeah. Pretty wild. So when you, when How many you, people get the video of Panther? Yeah. <laughs> so when you guys were younger, uh, if we're being honest with ourselves, you, you you're talking like real young, you know, not not now, not not at our age. But when you're real young and you're going into the woods in the dark and you hear stuff breaking around you, you know, did your did your dads ever tell you, you know, like, oh, there's nothing out there, you know, there's nothing going to get you? I had that happen to me. And when I was about 14 or 15, I'm just starting, I was just, I was a squeamish kid. I'll just go ahead and admit it. 14, 15, 16, I'm starting to kind of get over this. I'm in Southeast Georgia. 
we're on this little like marsh island I'm hunting and I've got my little recurve bow and I've got and I'm and I'm it's bow season I'm deer hunting and we were in the middle it was like man I might have been 17 I'm really embarrassing myself at this point because it was during the, the drought that we had from like 05 to 07 so I'm sitting there and I'm walking through and I'm talking this place is a tinder box a, a, a fly sneezes a quarter mile away and you can hear it okay and I hear this like rustling noise behind me and I look and there's an armadillo and it's, it's about, you know, an hour before the end of daylight. And I'm, I'm a little, you know, I'm on the ground on a stool. I'm kind of like, okay, you know, it gets dark in these, these swamp bottoms, you know, quick. <clears throat> I'm sitting there going, man, there's nothing out here. You are almost a grown man. You have got to get over this. This is ridiculous. You know, there's no bear. Nobody's seen a bear out here in, in years. There's no, nothing out here. I hear a single twig snap like 30 yards to my left. I'm talking like knee-high grass that it, it, it you you could not have rolled a ball and not made noise in this stuff, y'all. And I look up, and there's a black panther sitting there on its butt looking at me, cleaning its side. He'd clean his side a little bit, and he'd look up at me. And he'd clean his side a little bit. You talk about wishing you had a camera to document a story. This was it right here. Green eyes, most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Just sitting there. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, all those times, Dad said there's nothing in the woods scarier than me if you don't get in that tree stand. You know, he was wrong. He was dead, <laughs> dead wrong. And here I am on a on a on a on a on a, on a, a stump with a recurve bow and a 75 grain two blade broadhead. I'm done. I'm toast if this animal wants me. And I'm just sitting here like I'm just I'm never going to recover. I'm done. My, my, I've had a good life. I'm o- it's over. I mean. This cat gets up, just walks off, and every once in a while looks back at me and walks off. I freak out, come flying down the road. Dad meets me because he left the woods at a normal time. I'm hauling butt. I never stopped running, y'all. I don't think I, I took a breath the entire two miles to get to his truck. He's like, what are you doing down here? There's no way you stayed where you're supposed to. I said, Dad, I saw a cougar. Tell him the whole story. And he's just laughing his butt off. He goes, boy, you're never going to get over being afraid of the dark, are you? You are never going to – he's just <laughs> laughing, you know, because this is 2006, 2007. There's no, you don't even have a, a smartphone capable of taking that picture. Well, about a week later, here comes Daddy flying down the road about 45 minutes to the end of daylight. Now, this time I'm up in a tree stand, and I hear the truck pipes coming down the road. He starts honking the horn. I'm like, oh, man, he shot something. Like, this is real. I get in the truck. He goes, hey, grab that flashlight. It's starting to get dark. Grab that flashlight. Get out in front of in front of the truck and look for the tracks. I'm like, oh, man, we're tracking a deer. I get out of the truck. I'm in front of in front of it now with the headlights. It's dark. I'm like, what am I looking for? <laughs> and he goes, cougar tracks. <laughs> and here I am lit up like an all-you-can-eat buffet in front of this Ford F-150. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. We tracked that thing. It made a 200-yard circle around my dad in the tree stand and stopped at the base of his tree stand behind him and was looking up at him. So we put a huh. we put a bucket over the track. Long, long, long story short, we put a bucket over the track. DNR came out. They would not deny. They would not confirm that it was a panther. They would not deny that it was a cat track. And it was way too big. It was five and a half inches across. And way, way too big. He's like, I son, I cannot tell you that's a panther track, but it's nothing else that lives in this area. Well, I actually have a uh, a lion story from this morning. Oh. Um, I was walking into this spot to hunt, and I've been in there before. Derek and I were in there last year, and the morning that we walked in, it had just snowed that night, and we saw fresh, fresh mountain lion tracks in the snow right in front of us. We're like, all right, you know, we're playing with the big boys now. And because uh, this was right after Florida, where Derek had seen the panther, yeah. and so I think the mountain lion outweighs 
the Florida <laughs> Panther by a little bit. But so we were still like, all right, now, you know, we go from Florida Panthers to actual mountain lions. So great, cool. Okay. So this year I'm back in the same spot. And I'm almost in the exact same spot that we had seen those tracks in. And I'm walking with my headlamp on because I know that there's lions in this area. And I look up and I see two eyes looking at me. And at first I'm like, is that a deer? And then I'm, as I'm sitting there looking at it, I'm like, no, those eyes, they're too narrow or they're too close together for that to be a deer, you know? And I'm starting to look at it more and more. And then as my eyes adjust, I can make out the roundish face of a lion. And he's oh. only 30 yards or so from me. He was just past the beam of my headlight, oh. which has dead batteries in it. And um, <laughs> I'm like, huh. <laughs> okay you know, the, the heart starts to hammer a little bit i take the gun off my shoulder and get it ready i turn on the tactic cam that was on the gun so there's at least an audio going, hey cat hey cat what are you gonna do cat <laughs> like i need to go past you <laughs> and then it eventually kind of walks it goes out of my sight to where i can't see it anymore and so i'm like shining lights around like okay I have no idea where this thing is now because he moved off so silently. I'm like, well, I think there's turkeys in the back. And so I just kept walking. I walked right past where he had been, trying to break every stick that I could and make all the noise. I was talking to myself. I'm like, man, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I'm going to try to sound bigger than I am. Dude, you are ballsy. I didn't know they made pants that big, dude. That is, <laughs> what in the world? Man? Dude, that hunt would have ended right the, there. I love the turkey hunt. You know, my dad told me a story a long time ago, very similar story. He was in New York. A bear was in front of him. On, he said on this very narrow ridge, very narrow ridge, and this bear started raking this tree right in front of him, and there was a bird gobbling on the other side. And he starts talking to the bear. He's like, look, bear, this is going to go one of two ways. He's like, either I'm going to waste a shell and we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting or you can let me pass and I can go after that turkey. And the bear kind of just settled down. And my dad said he walked within like 15 or 20 yards of this bear and just walked right on past it to go hunt that turkey. <laughs> so, this... I, I, you know, I grew up with that kind of a story. So I just, when confronted, I had to, you know, I had to do the same thing. Yeah, I'd like to say I'm Derek. Am, am I nuts here? Is was was that just ridiculous? So that the panther in Florida. Yeah. After it walked down the road, I was like, "Well, that's what way I got to go." <laughs> All right, so I'm a wimp. We've established on this podcast. Fifty-seven minutes later, Walter is just a big wimp. <laughs> Or he just doesn't love to turkey hunt that much, man. I've, I've, you know, I, not I don't, gonna say you don't doubt your sanity, but you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's see. This is why I prefer hunting with other people. <laughs> no, I'm just way. Way I see it is, if that cat wanted him, it would have had him, and he wouldn't have known it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's what I always try and tell myself when stuff's going bump behind me in the night. You know, it's like if it's a cougar. I, I'd already be dead, you know. It's yeah. like <laughs> I was at the last year, last spring. I was—I'll uh, save the listeners. They've heard the story more often than I, I ought to share. I had a bear encounter that was far more aggressive uh, than you would have really liked it to have been. And from that point forward, I had my pistol on my side at all times. So maybe that's the compromise: is I just need to have my pistol on my side and uh, know that uh, men have looked cougars in the eyes and lived to tell the tale. And I'll leave that pun 
to uh, whomever, how, however you want to take it. But <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, you guys are you you guys are nuts, man. That's uh, we don't wear snake boots. Yeah, we don't wear snake boots. Even in that, Florida, that came from South Florida because after after realizing it's like, all right, we're gonna get wet. I'm not walking around with high dollar snake boots or you know. It just built up confidence that we boot, probably shouldn't have. <laughs> really, what is a snake boot going to do when you're walking between knee high and waist high in water? Oh yeah, and you've got a cotton mouth on the surface of the water. Yep, your snake boots on the water. It's not going to do you any good. No, no. Yes, I had one real close encounter last year in South <laughs> Florida with a cotton mouth on a log that I was getting ready to step over. It's like if I'd have had the gators on it, it wouldn't have done me any good. Yeah, make make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, didn't it? That joker chase you? I uh, it didn't chase, but it it showed me its mouth. Uh huh. Yeah. At like, I don't know, striking distance. Yeah, threw up some gang signs at you. Told you to back off, huh? I uh, I I, uh, <laughs> I don't. I may have a little bitch scream. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't blame you for that, man. Those are some those are some ill-tempered jokers. The only reason I wear snake boots, <clears throat> I wouldn't in the, I wouldn't in the the places that you guys are hunting, because you're right, it's totally pointless. Up here, a lot of people think that the Panhandle looks a lot like South Florida. It doesn't look anything like it. doesn't even resemble it. It's its own kind of Florida beauty, but it's not the same thing. Um, I don't have to do any of that kind of waiting. And for me, I'm trying to get in tight on these birds on the roost, really, really tight. And I don't want to use a headlamp. So for me, it's one of those peace of mind things where if I'm not walking through knee-high water, I'm just going to ease through the through the woods, and if I step on something and it slaps my shin, I can just keep on going. You know, I don't have to stop and, you know, decide if if, if I've made a bad decision. And I can just kind of focus on not making noise, listening to the birds up in the trees, listening for ruffling of feathers if I'm, you know, making too much noise or whatever. Um, but where you guys are, not to mention it being pointless, dude, could you imagine snake boots completely soaked inside and out trying to walk or go as far as you guys are going? That would just, that sounds miserable. Well, yeah, the best pair of boots that we found was um, Derek had an old set of boots, and I had an old set of boots, and I had an old pair of sneakers. And by old, I mean like where you can just about see your toes coming through them. Yeah. And that's what we wore, and we would change them out every day. So one day you'd wear boots. One day I was wearing sneakers that had the soles flopping off on them because you know you're going to get wet, and they drain quick right. because really of the well. old. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome so what what states do you guys have left to hit what can people kind of come to expect from uh, the bayside legion for the rest of the year Are y'all caught up on videos no caught up now <laughs> i knew the answer to that question when i asked it but <laughs> I, I didn't touch editing mississippi yet <laughs> i'm gonna be behind the ball a little bit oh wow so y'all got a bunch I, coming that's one thing i i haven't figured out how to edit on the road at all it's just too time consuming. I'd, I'll just do it when I get back. But, um, yeah, for the rest of the year, I'd wanted to do after this Western leg, come back on home, um, which would be any state nearby, but then run out. My original plan was new England. I had what Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New York left to hit up there. And, with COVID-19, I'm thinking that may not be the best idea. <laughs> so now I'm leaning towards Wisconsin and Minnesota. 
Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know my... too many people documenting their turkey hunts from Minnesota. I think that'd be a state I haven't watched something from yet. What I was saying, I had some turkeys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Shane Simpson. Never mind. What am I saying? Yeah, yeah. He, that's a good lord. That's his homeland. Yeah, man. That's a stomp. I, I'm shocked, Shane. I apologize, man. My bad, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Bonds? What you hitting, buddy? Um. Well, California's up next, but I have tags in Utah, Wyoming, uh, South Dakota, Montana, if they decide to open it to non-residents again. Um, I haven't changed that yet. Yeah, as of yet, it still should open on the 24th, so hopefully, but we'll, we'll have to see. Um, and then I also wanted to go to, go to Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin area. Yeah, you got a bunch of states left. I was sitting here. I am sitting thinking you guys got one or two states left. Y'all got dang near half your season left. Yeah, it's April twenty first. We got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> and I might, I might go to uh, Maine again. I've already hit Maine, but I really enjoy that state. Um, and it goes to June sixth. So oh. this year goes to June sixth. So I might be up there as well. Okay, so I, I have this thing where I wrap up every podcast with the same question. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you know this question's coming. If you haven't, get ready. And it's, this goes to each of you guys. You ready? Yep. Sure. All right. You go back to your earliest turkey hunting self. I'm talking like the days in which you were you were formulating your the idea of what it was to be a turkey hunter. What one singular piece of advice would you offer your younger self that would have completely changed the course of who you are as turkey hunter for the better? Derek, go ahead. <laughs> he says that a lot, Derek. He does. He does. Because he wants time to think about these questions. <laughs> You're on to me. Yeah. Well, my very first turkey hunt, um, my, I was with my father, and he called three long beards from across the road. Um, and they put on a absolute beautiful show right in front of me. And I'm sitting there with a single shot, 20 gauge. And like the biggest thing that had been beaten into my head with turkeys is do not move. They can see you blink everything you do. So I let these, these three gorgeous long beards walk by me at 20 yards. And I was too scared to pull the trigger. So the singular piece of advice I would like to say, pull the trigger and shoot the turkey. But with that, I mean, some things, they can come too easy. And would I really have learned what I eventually came to learn by doing such? Um, it's hard to say, you know, looking back at it. But um, I know between that bird and what ended up being my first turkey, I learned a lot. A lot more. Okay, Bonds, time's up. I would say um, persistence is something that I have learned, and knowing when to be aggressive and when to be patient. And I don't know of any other way to learn that, though, other than experience and trying it. But I can tell you that a lot of times I've tried to be aggressive, and it worked out in my favor. And once I started to learn that, I killed a lot more turkeys because I was being aggressive. And what I mean by aggressive is either aggressive calling or going, I need to be at that tree 30 yards in front of me in order to get this bird killed. Like I need to be up there, not back here where I'm at. 
doe would get up and move the 30 yards and that bird could be at 150 yards away but that 30 y- extra yards now he heard me call from 30 yards closer thinks i'm a real hen and he comes right on in just that's what i mean by being aggressive you know and and aggressive with my calling too is that a lot of birds they'll take being called at there are some places that you got to be called you know you got to be conscious of how often you call but once one's hot and what you can read his temperature and he's fired up you can be aggressive and have a really really amazing hunt that way boy you really made the most of your 13 second head start man that that was solid <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like you've been having that in your back pocket since the time you heard you're going to be coming on the podcast dad gum <laughs> well, gentlemen, <laughs> well, gentlemen, I have taken up entirely too much of your time this evening, and I appreciate you coming on. Before I let you go, where can people go to find everything the Bayside Legion? Oh, our big thing is our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Bayside Legion. Uh, you can also catch us on Instagram at the underscore Bayside underscore Legion. And we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Bayside Legion. Awesome, man. I cannot thank you guys enough for taking time out of your hunts, uh, driving to find cell service and staring at, at bison to uh, be on the podcast with me, man. I uh, I hope everybody who's listening to this, Chasing Tales Nation, do me a favor. Go f- stop what you're doing. Go find their YouTube channel. Subscribe uh, to their channel. Hit that little bell notification so you get updates for whenever Derek decides to edit all his content and get it out there for you guys. And <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, you get outside and enjoy the great outdoors.